You are listening to Inside the Tunnel, a Virginia Tech sports podcast presented by VT Scoop on 247sports.com. UNC is upon us, and today I am with Doug. Doug and I are going to break down this game. I am absolutely fired up. Finally, a meaningful game inside Lane Stadium. Yeah, definitely a, a huge game in terms of, you know, obviously Virginia Tech's not really making a national title run anytime soon, but there's thanks to beat Miami, they're right in the thick of uh, a coastal race right now. I think this is a little special for Justin Fuente. I think there's a lot of teams on the schedule that you see and ACC play, and of course, Virginia Tech often favored. This time, they're underdogs at Lane Stadium, which is a little bizarre. Um, Both teams kind of feel like they're in the same spot, kind of figuring themselves out right now. I mean, this is such a big battle for so many reasons, right? I mean, first of all, Fuente absolutely hates UNC. Not only are they constantly playing every single year, but they're going up against the same prospects in recruiting. It just feels like there's so much more about this game than just your regular ACC Coastal game. Yeah, Fuente's definitely, ever since he got this, I circled this one. I mean, I think, was it 59-7 to a couple of years ago? We really, really made a statement there um, and obviously beat him in the Hurricane game. But it's a big one for Fuente. It's a big one for a ton of the players on the team. Um, when you think about where North Carolina and Virginia Tech get their players from and where they can recruit as close to the schools. I mean, the, you know, the Greensboro area with guys like Trey Turner has been huge for Tech. Tech also goes, goes into Raleigh, Chapel Hill, that area quite a bit, and then also in Charlotte. So this game playing annually is pretty important in terms of um, being able to recruit and, and go in North Carolina for Virginia Tech. So it's no surprise that Quintet takes this one um, quite seriously. And that's a great point about recruiting, too, because you think about the state of Virginia, and it's so spread out, and even the 757 is multiple hours away. Some portions of North Carolina are closer than that. And Virginia Tech really prided themselves on the NC2VT movement. You have guys like Hendon Hooker, Trey Turner, Caleb Farley, Divine Diablo, Alan Tisdale, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And these are highly ranked kids from North Carolina that left for a better opportunity. And I feel like this game is kind of the prove it game to them that they made the right choice, that they're validating their decision to leave the state they grew up in to go play for another team. And I feel like Yes, it may just be one game on the schedule, but the way that Fuente kind of treats these games, and he's 3-0 and against North Carolina. You mentioned the Hurricane game, 34-3. to That was a big game between two ranked teams kind of starting that movement. But then the next year, you know, there's a lot of bad-mouthing in recruiting dating back to the Larry Fedora days, and I think that's what caused the imploding of the scoreline. It was 59-7. to Uh, And then last year was kind of like UNC should have won the game, but Virginia Tech ends up squeaking it out. But to me, you know, now that Mac Brown is at Chapel Hill and he currently has the number 19 recruiting class, he's a new coach. 
There's new hype around the program. Everyone wants a piece of it. And Fuente's like, did you see what I did here? Uh, you know, of course they had a bad season last year and, and they're piecing things together this year. But, you know, Fuente wants to make it known that that he owns the state of North Carolina. So this this will be, you know, one result doesn't change much, but I think that if Fuente really wants to take over the state of North Carolina, it's going to have to start with showing Mac Brown who's boss. Yeah, like, I mean, you talked about all the momentum Mac Brown has, and he's going to be recruiting with uh, with a lot of hype for with their freshman quarterback who's going to be there for the next couple of years. So it's, it's huge for Quinte and Virginia Tech to stay relevant in, in the North Carolina, you know, metropolitan, those, those heavy recruiting areas. Um, I mean, you touch just on the geography. When you think about Northern Virginia being four, at least four hours away, the 757s five, five hours away. I mean, Tech's closest big recruiting area in Virginia is Richmond, and that's three hours away and not even, it's not exactly, you know, a huge, rich talent pool they can pull from, but then you go into North Carolina and within three hours of Tech, you've got the Raleigh area, the Greensboro area, and the Charlotte area. So um, just from a recruiting standpoint, not even considering what's going on on the field this year, just from a recruiting standpoint and um, where Virginia Tech wants to be positioned for a lot of these recruits coming up in the next year or two. I mean, winning on the field is a huge one. Now, before we really jump into a big overview of what to expect out of this game, I do want to talk about some injuries. It's unfortunate that Virginia Tech has been plagued by the injury bug, but there are a few key players. Now, this is all of this is unconfirmed. But this is what we're expecting. This is what we've heard through the grapevine. Let's start on the offensive line. You brought it up in our last podcast. You're really worried about the state of the offensive line with the injuries suffered last week. It looks like Christian Derrissaw and Lasita Smith will not play against North Carolina. How do you supplement the offensive line knowing that information? Yeah, this is kind of, um, this will be a tough tough thing to handle when you think about how Darisol and, and Smith on the left side have been the stable, the stable portion of the offensive line. I mean, you go from at center, you're looking at um, Hoffman, and then you go to Hoyt, and you went to Harris for a half, and now you're at Hudson. Right guard's gone from Jackson and Nestor. You're splitting time at right tackle with Danzi and Tenuto. The left side's been really the one you can count on there, and um, and now it, now it appears there's been disintegrated in, in in a short short amount of time so where are you gonna who, who's playing left tackle you know left guard looks like it's going to be Austin Cannon who you know is a former walk-on who you know earned his spot and works hard and does all that but at the end of the day he's still you know a former walk-on um and you wonder how he's going to hold up over four quarters in ACC and if if there's another um another option to Maybe they rotate time there. You know, um, left tackle obviously protecting protecting hookers blind side is you know protecting any quarterback's blind side is, is, is crucial. And um, with Terrell Smith already out for the year, I guess you're down to your third left tackle. And if you move Danzi over to left tackle, you're moving a guy that 
hasn't been good enough this year to lock down the right tackle spot himself. Um, maybe you get TJ Jackson up there. You know, he's probably a little too big to play on the on the edge there at left tackle. So um, I'd say Van Slyke probably has is uh, probably going to make his paycheck this week. Let me be frank. It, it's a mess on the offensive line right now. But I will say the positive view of this is that guys like Luke Tenuta has seen time at right tackle. Austin Cannon played a, a big portion last week. You have guys that have experience. And, yes, Austin Cannon's a walk-on, but if he's playing over a guy like TJ Jackson, I think that speaks to his work ethic and that maybe he's ahead of him right now. So, and, and TJ Jackson's a guy that, you know, he's like six, eight, 360 pounds, you know, a guy that you really want to get out there. In all reality, I am a little worried about that left side with Hendon Hooker, uh, how they approach the game plan now, knowing that those two guys, how crucial their roles are on the left side of the line and keeping him healthy and how your right side had problems. If they adjust anything in terms of that, uh, maybe make, Hendon Hooker roll out a little bit more, put them on the move a little bit more so that the pass rush has to stay on their toes and work a little extra to get to the backfield. But yeah, I mean, it, it is going to be interesting. Um, of course, Christian Darisaw, one of the most important players uh, of the entire offense as a whole. And Lasita Smith, a guy that was having a, a resurgence in his second year starting. So definitely bad news there. Moving on to some guys that may be out. It's looking more likely that these two guys will be out than they will be playing. Again, none of this is confirmed. This is just what we're hearing. But two more guys to throw into the mix. Alan Tisdale, huge blow, and Keyshawn King. Now, those are two big guys on both sides of the ball that could be missing time against North Carolina. Yeah, particularly Tisdale as a guy um, slowly taking time from, from Dak Hollyfield here over the last couple weeks. And... You know, Virginia Tech loves to use him in, you know, more passing situations because he's a little more athletic and a little more better better in coverage. And North Carolina loves to throw their receivers coming out of the backfield, and they've got a lot of athletes at receiver. For, um, so you look at um, what he what his skill set would bring against North Carolina and not having him on the field would be a huge loss. I mean, we all know Dax is playing out of position and, that struggle chasing running backs, chasing wide receivers, um, all of that. So in this situation, you would much rather have healthy Tisdale because um, this game kind of seems keyed up for him to play most of the game. Um, at running back, you know, King is the top backup, and I don't really know who you would consider the top backup behind him. Um McLeese isn't a guy that you can get 20 to 25 carries. Maybe, maybe he is for just this one game because he has to. Um, I know they tried out to Todd Gary there last week. Um, Caleb Stewart's gotten a little bit of time, but I don't think any of those guys was someone you're prepared to give the ball to 15 times. So maybe they, maybe they do a little more jet sweep game with, with Tavian Robinson, Trey Turner and, and, and James Mitchell. Um, Definitely two two big losses in terms of, particularly on defense, I'd say Tisdale is probably a little bigger loss than King. But they both have, 
you know, potential roles on this team and not having them out there would be a big loss. I will say that last week, I know granted the competition that Virginia Tech was able to get it done on the ground game without Keyshawn King. I still think they can get it done with Deshaun McLeese, Hendon Hooker now taking a bigger role in the run game. And I think it's a very good point. As much as Virginia Tech fans hate to see it, the jet sweep game will be huge against UNC. Now let's see if it works. Let's see if they can make it a little less obvious. Uh, They were showing some reverses. Um, I think when it's obvious, I mean, everyone sees it coming. And and that's when you see them get tackled in the backfield. In, In terms of Alan Tisdale, you know, it sucks because he is not a liability in coverage. He's been playing very, very solidly. And I think when you look at Dax, his biggest struggle is in coverage. Now, with all that being said, it's not the worst thing in the world to go from Alan Tisdale to Dax Hollyfield. He's a, he's a North Carolina guy. He's going to be fired up for this game. He's going to be running through walls pregame, uh, worried for his safety this entire week, probably not even tuned into class right now because of how amped up he is for this game. And he'll definitely want to make a point that that he can ball out and play against UNC to the best of his abilities. So we'll see if he can get the job done. Obviously, we talked about it, the rotation. It's a good problem to have. You have two very capable guys. It just seemed like Alan Tisdale was performing at a higher level recently. Yeah, Tisdale's definitely been impressive. And, you know, Dax will be bumped up to play with North Carolina boys, but um, it really leaves Tisdale. I mean, Virginia Tech been without Tisdale there. Um, if anything happens to Dax, if anything happens to Dash, basically, um, you might have some issues. So I know they're trying to redshirt Deshaun Artis there. Might not be possible. I'm, I'm sure he'll be dressed out for this game if Tisdale can't go. And then the last piece of injury news, this one seems kind of obvious. Trey Turner should be playing. And by should be, I mean he will be playing. So obviously a huge boost to the offense having him and Hazleton out there. It's a boost if if he can play and play effectively for four quarters. Um, you know, we came up and if we first saw it against Boston College, he didn't play the whole game. Didn't play the whole game again against Duke. So hopefully he can be out there, you know, for four quarters. He's I mean He's a North Carolina guy, too, obviously wants to play, but he's also the best wide receiver on the team. Um, so we haven't really seen Tech's offense with both Turner and Hazleton healthy. And I think I think with Hooker at quarterback, if you can get Hazleton healthy like it appears he is, if you can get Turner healthy like it appears he is, and then, back, and then add them into how they've kind of figured out the tight end game with how effective Dalton Keene and James Mitchell have been over the last couple weeks. Um, he certainly got some skill skill players there, um, at least at least to catch the ball from from Hendon Hooker. Um, so we'll see if obviously Turner's return would be would be pretty pretty large and for this one. I'm really excited to see both of them on the field at the same time. It's been frustrating not being able to evaluate both of them. I think Virginia Tech has quietly done a good job managing both of them, making sure that they're fully healthy to come back. It appears, like you said, that Damon Hazleton is is fully healthy now. I mean, he looked fine in that last game. Trey Turner hasn't looked 100% all season, 
uh, taking a couple weeks off. We'll see how he turns up against UNC, obviously going to want to pop off against that team. He almost went to UNC, like Dax too. So, you know, the, the, again, this is a validation game for a lot of these guys, and they're going to want to put a little extra out there in order to win against UNC. But I do want to turn our full attention now to UNC, kind of break them down, see what Virginia Tech is working against this weekend. Looking at North Carolina, they're a peculiar 3-3 three and three team right now. In week one, they beat South Carolina 24-20, to 20, and that looks good now since South Carolina beat number three Georgia last weekend at Georgia. In week two, they beat Miami 28-25. to 25. So a little bit of common ground for Virginia Tech and UNC to stand on. They both beat Miami, though Virginia Tech beat them on the road and UNC beat them at home. Then a rough slate for UNC. They lost to Wake Forest 24-18. to 18. They were pretty much dominated that entire game. We even talked about it on this podcast. They, they came back late in the game because Wake Forest kind of took their foot off the gas pedal. Um, but it was pretty one-sided for a large majority of that game. A week later, they lose to Appalachian State, 34-31. I know a lot of people made fun of that game, losing to Appalachian State, a non-Power 5 school, but they're ranked 24th now. So it doesn't look like such a bad loss. It is a bad loss, but you know Appalachian State is no joke. They're a very good team. And then probably the most celebrated ACC loss of the season, they, they lose to Clemson by one. So that's a little scary. Clemson didn't look their best. UNC looked very good and, you know, went for two at the end of the game and didn't get it. So they could have pulled off the upset, which is kind of scary to think about. Um, and then uh, a few weeks ago, they beat Georgia Tech 38-22 to pretty comfortably. So what I gather from UNC, they're a team with – an incredibly tough schedule that had a few good breaks early in the season and a few bad ones towards the latter half of, of the first half of the season. So that's why they look like a three and three team at the moment. What is your overall impression from UNC? Yeah, they've definitely been up and down. I mean, their schedule has been pretty brutal. I mean, Georgia Tech was probably their, their, their first easier game of the year when you think about what Wake Forest has done this year and what Appalachian State's done this year. Um, so up and down in terms of, you know, I think everybody was probably hope all their fans would probably hope they beat Appalachian State, um, almost beat Clemson if they just gotten a two-point conversion. So they've got a lot of talent, obviously, across the board. Um, Mac Brown's figured a couple things out, and I'd say probably the coaching has gone up and, Maybe the players believe a little bit more in a Mac Brown coaching staff than they did in Larry Fedora's coaching staff last year. But um, I think the, the main story for North Carolina is definitely their freshman quarterback, Dan Howe. Let's start there. Let's dive into their offense. They're technically an air raid team. Uh, they're still balanced in the run game. They run more than they throw. Uh, but they have more of a tendency to throw the ball downfield. And one jarring statistic that I looked up is that we talk about how good Virginia Tech has been in the red zone, and North Carolina is tied for 10th in the nation with a 95.8% conversion rate, led by Sam Howell, the star true freshman quarterback. 
over 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions. Pro-style guy, so he won't really run the ball. Uh, they do some read options, but he's not really a threat there. Um, and then some familiar names, Deami Brown, wide receiver, having a really good year. Daz Newsome, brother of Dion Newsome, who played for Virginia Tech, uh, is also another huge playmaker at wide receiver. And then they have a strong stable of running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. They can get it done everywhere. Yeah, they covered it pretty well there. I mean, Howell has been um, something else as a freshman quarterback, 15 touchdowns, three picks, and it's not like he's really had a game where he's been overwhelmed or looked out of place or anything like that. Um, so he's definitely the kind of the, the guy that's made this thing go here for Mac Brown. But um, I've, I was really impressed watching them with their running back, Javante Williams, who's averaging – he's at almost six yards of carry. Uh, um three touchdowns this year, almost 500 yards. He's one half of their running back rotation, but um, he's the guy that when you watch him, he's like, he's a one, one missed tackle away from breaking a, a touchdown run every single time. So um, they definitely have athletes that running back and receiver that makes Howell's job a little easier, um, which I'm sure he appreciates Brown and Newsom in particular, their big, big receiver that they're going to throw to, um, particularly down the field. I'm glad you brought that up in terms of where North Carolina likes to throw the ball. I think Virginia Tech has struggled over, at least against Rhode Island and Duke, with kind of the short passing game where it's kind of taking what Virginia Tech gives them and picking up first downs and moving the change that, change that way. Um, this North Carolina team feels like they prefer almost to throw the ball down the field more which is probably what Virginia Tech would prefer for them to do this. So I'll be interested to see if North Carolina, you know, kind of sticks with who they are, pushes the ball down the field through the air, or if they look at that Duke film or that Rhode Island film and say, you know, let's, let's just take what they're giving up and then maybe let a new summer Brown make a play after the catch. Yeah. And it seems like Diami Brown and Daz Newsom, you know, they're averaging better than 15 yards per catch which is kind of crazy to think about. So they don't have a, a whole bunch of receptions on the year, but where they really make their money is going down the field and uh, running deep slants or, you know, burning pass guys. So I think Virginia Tech definitely has the speed to match up with them, uh, but it's all about staying disciplined and making sure that you read the situation right that because Diami Brown and Daz Newsom are burners, they're four, four guys, four, five guys. Uh, they're not always going to want to go vertical. And I think it's, it's really going to be a test for the cornerbacks of Virginia tech to kind of stay composed and really keep those guys in front of them and make sure that they're not doing double moves to go behind them, because that's where Sam Howell has really looked good when he has all the arm talent in the world and his decision-making is pretty easy when his guys are wide open. So I think it's going to be a, a story of the perimeter guys, especially for Virginia Tech. Where else do you see you know, some of the key matchups between this Virginia Tech defense and this UNC offense? Uh, I think it's, you know, you touched Warner, Brown and, Brown and Newsom. Um, I think the other one you got to look at is the, the running backs coming out of the backfield. 
again, if it's not going to be Alan Tisdale, it's going to be um, it's going to be Dak Hollyfield probably on him, and who and how they handle that matchup. Um, Carter and Williams, the running back, have 23 catches already this season coming out of the backfield. So, you know, they're going to be they're going to look to them to get the to get them the ball in space and. If if Polyfield can't hang with them on the perimeter, it's going to be a long day. Um, I think the other guy that he, that everybody's going to be watching is probably is probably Devin Hunter um, at Rover for the first half since Reggie Floyd suspended for for the first half after his targeting penalty. Pretty much expected that Devin Hunter is going to get the first crack there. I think you could see Khalil Ladler um, in more obvious passing situations there, but. Um, as far as making your first start in a huge ACC game, that's a pretty big spotlight on Hunter. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because when I was looking at some of the injuries on the offense, we'll get there, um, and then uh, looking at the defense without Reggie Floyd, I was wondering if you're playing against a guy who's really sound in his passing mechanics and you know what UNC is trying to accomplish – you know, how do you, maybe you give Khalil Ladler a, a look there? He's looked pretty solid at free safety. Um, obviously, I'm a big proponent of the upgrade at whip to Chamari Connor. Of course, that's a different position, but Khalil Ladler hasn't looked bad at free safety. Do you maybe slide Divine Diablo over to Rover? Uh, you, how do you address this? I mean, um, when I've seen Devin Hunter in extended action he hasn't looked the most composed at all times yeah I, I completely agree i think that's something that virginia tech is going to be watching probably early in that first quarter um if they do give hunter that shot i mean Wadler's the guy that's played a ton of snaps at virginia tech um obviously hasn't played much recently but i mean you think back to like that Florida state game he was all over the field um and so when you're when you're trying to figure out who you can count on to, to recognize a play or to figure out what's going on, um, I'd almost lean towards Ladler, but um, it seems like they're going to give Hunter at least the first crack here. Um, Ladler's experienced, and you know maybe you do move, move fight him in at free safety, maybe you fight him in at rover. Um, I guess it depends, <laughs> depends on what they think their best lineup is. Is, I, mean, I don't really know if there's an obvious answer. You might just throw it out there and see, see what see what it looks like to you, and see what the players are are thinking after they after they run it a couple times. I want to turn our attention to the battle in the trenches. UNC's offensive line versus Virginia Tech's defensive line. Is there any chance here that we can see a rebound game from the defensive line? Now, I didn't mention this in the injuries, but it seems very likely, and I have to preface all of this because I can't say anything is definite, but it seems very likely that Deshaun Crawford will be suiting up for Virginia Tech. So uh, which way do you lean in this battle? Um, I think it'll be, I mean, North Carolina's offensive line isn't, you know, a dominant group. group. Um, you know, they start, they've got four, three sophomores and a freshman on their depth chart starting and a left tackle senior, Charlie Heck, he's, he looks like a, at least he's listed like he looks like a mountain at 68315. So, um, but they're, they're about, I think they were 10th 
they were around 10th in the ACC in sacks allowed, so they're not, you know, Virginia Tech's offensive line in comparison is, is higher than that. So there's a chance there for Virginia Tech's defensive line. I still just don't think that the defensive end play at Virginia Tech has been has been strong enough for the group as a whole to, to you know, be dominant force for full quarters. I think they're going to get most of their pressure when they come um, with blitzes from guys like Jamari Connor. So getting Crawford back at defensive tackle is is big. Um, we'll see how healthy he is. I, you know, it's got to be tough to come back from, you know, that, that injury didn't look great at Miami. And, you know, maybe he tries to force it. Um, maybe playing at less than 100%. I'm not sure how effective he'd be at less than less than 100%. Um, so I'm, I'm inclined to give the edge to the UNC offensive line by a smidge. Um, I don't think, but I don't think either of them are, you know, going to dominate one or the other. What you're saying is it's not the matchup to watch. I know that UNC has uh, Charlie Heck, I believe is his name, at left tackle, like 6'8", over 300 pounds, a guy that's being eyed by many NFL scouts. And, you know, I am a little concerned about Emmanuel Belmar on that side of the line going up against him. Uh, I don't know how much success he'll find there. So I think that's pretty much neutralized as a threat on the Virginia Tech defensive line. I, I think Taiwan Garbett could have a, a solid game. And then Deshaun Crawford, I mean, he's been probably my biggest uh, performer on the defensive line this season. So I'm looking for big things out of him. But overall, player to watch, is it safe to say yours is for the UNC offense, Javante Williams? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a home run waiting to happen and. They like to run him, like get him, get him going on like kind of jet sweep looking things. So he's got full head of speed, and I think you know if he's running at like a side with Dax and Devin Hunter on it, I think that's really worrisome. I will say that laterally, you know, both uh, Dax Hollyfield and Rayshard Ashby don't seem the best when they have to move to the right or left. You know, when they're coming downhill, they look great when they can identify the play, but. Yeah, I am a little worried if, if they're sending him out on the perimeter, especially with all the speed. They have so much speed on the UNC offense. Uh, my guy to watch, it's the cliche pick, the quarterback, Sam Howell, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, throwing for better than 60% of his uh, passes. So, yeah, he's the guy that that I'm looking. Can he make a, a big statement in Lane Stadium? It's already announced that it's a sold-out crowd, so – I know it's an early afternoon game, so it, you know it doesn't have the pressures of a night game inside Lane Stadium. But nonetheless, I mean, it's a it's a very intimidating crowd, especially with a sellout uh, to go play in front of as a true freshman. Of course, he's seen a lot of good defenses this year: Miami, South Carolina, Clemson, uh, Appalachian State even has a really good defense. So. And he's made his fair share of mistakes, fumbling the ball. But yeah, I, I, I think it, it's really going to come down to what he's able to do for this UNC offense. If he's able to operate how he has been, then I think it's going to be a long day for the Virginia Tech secondary. But at, at the same time, I think there are ways that Virginia Tech can neutralize him and kind of take him out of the game. Uh, you already saw what they did against Jaron Williams early at Miami. 
another guy that's a redshirt freshman quarterback that's playing against a defense that gives bizarre looks, weird blitz packages. If Virginia Tech can dial up some things that Sam Howell hasn't seen yet, then I think it will make him uncomfortable and make the game a lot more winnable for Virginia Tech. Yeah, Howell's definitely the player. I mean, I named Javante Williams, but I mean, quarterback's the most most important position on the field, and you, you touched on it. I mean, Howell's been great this year. We we basically just glowed about the the UNC offense and their athletes for the last few minutes. But um, you think guy has thrown 15 touchdowns, three picks. He's through six games of his true freshman year. There's got to be you know a, a game where he struggles. I mean, it, it happens to everybody. It might happen to him and Hooker this game. Um, but as a true freshman coming to the Lane Stadium, it's going to be sold out. I know there's been a lot of discussion about the atmosphere and people leaving early and all that stuff, but it seems like people are pretty engaged and they know the stakes. Um, they know what's at stake for this one. And if, if this one's close, it's going to be, it's going to be quite an atmosphere. And for a true freshman, um, you know, I don't think he played super great, at least early at Wake Forest. I think the only other road environment really that he's been in was was probably South Carolina. They played at a neutral site, so it wasn't a true road environment, but I'm sure it was plenty loud there. So you look at Howell as a guy that, I mean, he, just his performance, throw out what Hooker might do or what anybody else might do, whether he's good or whether he struggles might just decide the game. Um, I will say that as, as much as we talked about and gave credit to the wide receivers and running backs for, for North Carolina and all that, looking at North Carolina, what's really interesting to me is their offense runs. I mean, they run a lot of the same looks that Virginia Tech runs. So if you're thinking about Virginia Tech's defense and what they're comfortable and used to seeing, like a lot of what UNC traditionally runs, I feel like is a Ryan Willis. It's like the Ryan Willis offense. Howell's not careful. If Virginia Tech can recognize that and maybe step in front of one, I think you could get a big turnover there. Yeah, that is a really interesting point. One that I didn't really piece together yet through watching North Carolina, but nonetheless, very, very intriguing matchup between this Mac Brown offense and Bud Foster's defense. Uh, we'll see who comes out on top. I will say just on the point of the Virginia Tech fans and, you know, maybe the lull inside Lane Stadium, you know, having three FCS games and then getting blown out by Duke uh, at a night game, you know, doesn't inspire a lot of confidence for students or otherwise to come to the game uh, last week against Rhode Island, at least in my opinion. So, yes, I know a lot of people would love to be there and would be dying to be there. Um, but this feels like finally it's fallen Blacksburg. It's what Lane Stadium was built for, a big game uh, against a, a valiant opponent that, you know, actually there's stakes in this game. And um, so I'm, I'm excited to see it. It's going to be my first time down at Lane Stadium this year. So I'm really excited for that. Um, but I do want to shift things over to the defense, give some spotlight to UNC's defense. I'll be honest, I'm more of a fan of UNC's offense than defense. Um, but the, the coolest story, I guess, about UNC's defense 
is that they're led in tackles by a guy named Chaz Surratt. And if he sounds familiar, it's because he used to be the quarterback there when they lost 59 to seven. And, uh, you know, we'll be bringing up that last name again uh, because his brother, Sage Surratt, is one of the leading wide receivers for Wake Forest um, in, in terms of receiving yards and touchdowns. So just an incredible story there that it's a quarterback that switches over to middle linebacker. You don't see that too often, but uh, if you want to touch on that and tell us anything else about this UNC defense, go ahead. Yeah, so I just pulled as the route game was from 2017, the Virginia Tech game, um, was game number seven. He went four of eight with for 50. He went four of eight for 94 yards and a touchdown. And he was credited with 12 rushing uh, attempts for negative 27 yards. <laughs> um, so a tough day at the office. But yeah, he's been a quite a story in terms of. I mean, he moved this offseason to linebacker. Uh, he's one of a handful of really good, really athletic linebackers that they have, but he's leading the team in tackles. I think he packed on like 15 to 20 pounds. Um, his stat line is absurd. 46 tackles, 5.5 tackles for all, three sacks, three breakups, four quarterback hurries. Um, he's all over the field. And somebody, I mean, somebody <laughs> you obviously are going to be seeing a lot of um, – on Saturday, the rest of their linebackers, um, guys like Tillman Fox, um, I'm trying to think who are the other guys, Kamari Fox, and they play, they play four or five linebackers. Dominique Ross is another one. They're all like these big, physical, fast, and aggressive, um, linebackers. They kind of remind me of like Miami linebacking crew and they just fly to the football. So, um, those are the, guys that I'm mostly going to be watching. Um, their defensive front is really anchored by Aaron Crawford, who's a nose tackle. Um, he's got 29 tackles and six and a half of them are for loss this year. So um, definitely a, a defense that has some holes and some, but also has some talent. I think most of their holes are in the defensive secondary where they've lost, I think, three or four starters already this year. Is it safe to say, like, when you look at Virginia Tech and you look at UNC, you can clearly identify a lot of playmakers all over the field. But for UNC, it feels like, in, in the same case, Virginia Tech, they haven't put everything together yet, that it's still a, a vulnerable defense. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you look at that Wake Forest game, you look at that, um, you look at that Appalachian State game, um, they haven't really been shutting people down. I mean, even Miami and South Carolina was in the 20s. Um, Clemson was probably their best game. I think they were probably pretty inspired. But then they they, they gave up a couple big plays. Their big problem is in their secondary, probably because of their injuries, but they give up big plays left and right. And um, I talked about this in my preview, but their defense as well to come forward and tackle but they're susceptible to the balls over their head. And that's where guys like Hazleton and Turner are going to have to show up. So um, they're, they're, they're loaded with talent and they've got, um, I think their defensive court, they have co-defensive coordinators. One of them, Jay Bateman is highly regarded and all that, but um, it's not a defense that can't be exposed. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Trey Turner and Damon Hazleton. 
I think as much as the offense was balanced last week, and of course that's going to, you know, you're going to try to make that approach every week that you want to be balanced. You want to be unpredictable, but I feel like Virginia tech is really going to try to set up those deep plays to Damon Hazleton and Trey Turner. Uh, and, and so I'm looking forward to that because I think that, you know, those two guys have, have clear edges on the perimeter, just like we said that the matchups are going to look a lot like uh, on the perimeter for Virginia Tech's defense, being able to stop those two really good wide receivers. It seems like the same thing for UNC. Uh, granted, I'm not as high on their backfield, their defensive backfield. Uh, and then you're really outlining the linebacker core for both teams to go against some, the running backs and, and, and stopping uh, for UNC, stopping Hendon Hooker on the ground. Yeah, for sure. You know, their corner. I mean, their corners. They're starting a true freshman named great name Storm Duck, which is fantastic. Um, and Greg Roth, who's a junior, but he wasn't a starter. They're also playing a freshman nickelback Obi Aguna, who's a small, small nickelback. I mean, that's the guy that I think Tech would like if their matchup if Tavian Robinson got on him. Um, I really think the big area where Tech can and beat them with the pass is going to be in the play action um, and misdirection game, kind of like what they did against Miami. I mean, Miami's that same fast, aggressive defense, and Hooker's skill as a runner and the threat as a runner is going to draw eyes to him. So if he's rolling out looking like he's going to run and then he pulls up and hits a pop pass or, or you know, they ran that fake jet sweep and then found Kashawn King all alone on the left side last week. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for Hooker in play action or like fake design run type situations where this defense is going to be looking to pounce on him quickly. And then he can just basically look up and throw to an open receiver. So um, I think, I think there's a lot of potential there if they can, I mean, it all is going to come down to what happens on the offensive line. And if he has, even has a chance to make make those kind of plays, um, I think Tech could have success throwing the ball through the air. And we could end up in a little bit of a shootout. We're talking about Howell and then the big matchup between UNC receivers and Tech defensive backs. And now we're talking about Hooker and the big matchup between Tech's receivers and UNC's defensive backs. So um, could see some passing yards on Saturday. The ball's in your court, Brad Cornelson. You have all your top playmakers. You may not have an offensive line, but you have all your playmakers. So make something happen. Let's see. Let's see what he's able to do. I'm excited to see the Virginia Tech offense. Uh, and you know, it, it does suck missing pretty much the entire left side of your offensive line. Um, but I am excited to see a lot of the playmakers how they'll be used, incorporating Trey Turner back into this offense and and seeing what he can do with Damon Hazleton and then you touched on it the tight ends can they keep the momentum going um but yeah this is this is going to be a, a very highly contentious game I don't know which way it's going to go but it could be a shootout it could be uh you know sloppy because of the offensive line woes for Virginia Tech and then you look at maybe a true freshman quarterback struggling on the road uh, so it could go in either direction. Um, I do want to point out the uh, – you said Storm Duck. 
that is a name I want to keep my eye on. But I'll be honest, when you brought up Stone Smart from ODU, and I was so hyped to hear his name, I haven't followed him at all. So uh, maybe Storm Duck will take over the reins for name that I'll be following just because he has an awesome name. Yes, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. He's a true freshman, so I'm sure I'm sure Hazleton or Turner will be going at him all night. Um, so something to watch for sure. But now let's move into predictions. I already said it could be very variable. How do you see this one turning out inside Lane Stadium on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, we talked about the offensive line and how how who knows what's going to happen there and how they're going to perform. I will say, if you're looking for a quarterback to play quarterback with an offensive line in this kind of shape Texas is at this point, it's a guy like Hooker, a guy who can who can evade pressure, extend plays, pick up yards on the ground, that that kind of quarterback, that dual threat quarterback. And, you know, I think if you if you played Ryan Willis in this game, if, if Ryan Willis was still the starting quarterback for Virginia Tech in this game and you're looking at it with, you know, two starters gone on the left side off in the line, two freshmen playing center right guard and then another freshman, a redshirt freshman playing right tackle, I don't think Virginia Tech would have much chance, but now you you put Hooker in there and you can kind of design a whole offense around misdirection and what he'll be doing running the football. So I'm expecting Virginia Tech to put up some points. Um, we talked about the receivers, obviously, especially if Turner gets back, but I think Hazelton can have a big day regardless. Um, and then obviously the tight ends have been a big a big part of the offense um, over the last couple of weeks. So I think points aren't going to be an issue. For Virginia Tech offense, I think preventing points is probably going to be the big issue, um, unless they can kind of. If they, I think the the recipe has got to be to get kind of like the Miami game to get early turnovers and put put Howell under pressure and put them behind on the scoreboard and make them tr- make them try and force throws. Um, so I think the first quarter is going to be huge in terms of what does it look like happening? Is is the Tech get a, get an early turnover, a couple picks or something like that, where they can start to really tilt the field against Powell. Um, but I think given given Tech's struggles against Duke, uh, we're on just a couple points away, a couple weeks past them giving up 45 points to Duke at home. Um, they gave up a bunch of yards to Rhode Island um, to their wide receivers. I think it'll be difficult to keep North Carolina's offense under wraps for four quarters. Um, so I'm going to take the heels in a close one. Um, I think we'll get both teams into the 30s. It'll be an entertaining game for sure. Now, I will say UNC can get off to a hot start. They're able to generate points quickly, and they have no fear. I mean, Sam Howell has no fear. He will throw the ball. As, you know, he only has three interceptions, but he has 15 touchdowns because he's making plays. And I think it's tough because we haven't seen Virginia Tech in a situation where they haven't been completely comfortable, Uh, maybe outside the last drive at Miami uh, where the game was tied and Hendon Hooker did enough to win that game. And that's a lot of credit to him. But because for the entire game he was comfortable and got to go in his groove, I haven't seen Hendon Hooker um, off to a 
a, you know, playing come from behind at the very start of the game. So I think if UNC is able to win the first quarter, they'll end up winning the game. Um, but at, at the same time, when I look at Virginia Tech and I compare them to North Carolina and they're still under a first-year philosophy with a new coach, um, you know, there are things that, you know, I do really like about them. But at the same time, I kind of take a step back and and say, well, maybe they just got a little bit lucky here and that wasn't supposed to happen. And uh, I, I think that Hendon Hooker can be strong if he's held comfortable. Like you mentioned, if Virginia Tech can force turnovers, I don't think they're going to be able to keep North Carolina out of the 30s. Um, but I think Virginia Tech can put up just as many points and just a little bit more. I'm going 38-35 Virginia Tech at home, beating UNC, moving to 5-2 and two before the bye week. Wow. And there, and I think, you know, a win in that, you know, a 38-35 win, three points there, I think I think special teams, and in particular the punting, have to be, have to be a big part of that kind of win. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, why I think this way, when we looked back at the Duke game, I would say UNC's definitely, you know, to me, they seem like a better team than Duke, just because Duke is so well coached that they were such a threat to Virginia Tech. And that's why I had Duke winning that game. But when I look at a lot of the unknowns on, on UNC, and I think about what Virginia Tech has been doing, the momentum they're building, getting some key playmakers back, of course, the injuries kind of hurt. Uh, really bad on both sides of the ball. Um, and the suspension of Reggie Floyd hurts as well. But the, just the way I look at Virginia Tech performing, if they're able to do it against the caliber defense of Miami on the road, they can definitely do it against UNC at home. I think the only worry in, in, is the defense. And I think because there's a lot of speed and athleticism and, and different looks that Bud Foster tries to mix up coverages – I know they haven't been the most dominating defense, but you know I am a little hesitant to pick a true freshman quarterback to win on the road against such a unique defense. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. That the you know the true freshman. I mean, I said this earlier. I think it might might literally hinge on just his play. Um, we talked a lot about Virginia Tech's injuries and you know guys like Trey Turner coming back, but put 42 on Miami without Trey Turner. Um, so they should be able to score a little bit regardless of if Turner is healthy or not. Um, but I think the defense is, is definitely what I think what we're both saying is that the defense is worrisome. I mean, you talk about the defensive line that struggled to get consistent pressure or play consistently all year. And then Deshaun Crawford might play. If he plays, he might not be 100%. So you don't know how effective he's going to be. Um, Tisdale has been a big part of the off, big part of the defense, and now he might be out, and Floyd's out for a, a half, and you know he hasn't been very good this year, but you're still putting in a, a large and unknown in Hunter, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm just, I'm just disappointed that I teed you up there to talk about Oscar Bradburn, and, and you just <laughs> that you just went further into your analysis. Everyone knows how I feel about Oscar Bradburn. I feel like I have to lay off a little bit because the joke went a little too far when I said he was going to early declare for the NFL draft. So I'm laying off. 
until he does something phenomenal and I'll be sure to bring it up. But I feel like enough people are talking about him now, which is the whole point of my big ramble a few weeks ago. So I'm glad people are mentioning Oscar Bradburn, but you know, I did my job. Now it's time for the people to kind of take those whispers and, and, you know, spread them around campus a little bit, but you know, overall, I am excited for this game. It's a meaningful game inside Lane Stadium. I know Duke was too, but it just feels like with the mix of the FCS schools in between all these games, it hasn't truly felt like football season. And it's like, yes, you can evaluate the team, but then every time you have to kind of bite your tongue and say, well, it was against Furman, Old Dominion, or Rhode Island. And now we don't have to do that anymore. You know, now it's actually... You know, if they do something well, it's against a credible opponent. No offense, FCS schools. And if they do something poorly, we can assess it in, in that direction as well. So and it also makes it interesting that I think this is the first time we disagreed on what the uh, outcome of the game would be. So uh, the next podcast, someone's going to be gloating. Yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> it's me versus you point. Um, I guess you're abdicating your Oscar Bradburn throne for the time being. So that means I will take it over and I'm just going to make a bold prediction that here in this big game, Virginia Tech needs to win to kind of stay in the coastal haunts playing at home. I think we're going to get a fake pun out of Oscar here. Um, Jan Shebeth has been known to draw something, something funky. Think back to that Clemson play in the ACC championship. Um, I think we might get a, we really haven't seen a trick play out of Virginia Tech yet this year. Um, I guess other than that Avion Robinson pass that looked disastrous last week. So I'm going to go on the record and think we run a fake punt here with your boy Oscar Bradburn. If Oscar Bradburn throws a, pay, a fake punt pass against UNC, I will voluntarily shave my head. Fair? That's fair. Um if only he could throw it to who's your other boy, Alan Tisdale? Jamari Connor. Jamari Connor, there you go. That's who we need to throw it to. It's possible. I think Connor could be on some fun coverage. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. But on that note, Doug, thanks for breaking down UNC with me. And it's going to be so interesting. I think it's such a big difference to be a t- like for Virginia Tech to be five and two instead of four and three and pretty much out of the ACC coastal picture by their second bye week next week. And for UNC, you know, they've been playing well, but they obviously want to be four and three um, with a stronger grip on the ACC coastal. So it's truly high stakes for both teams. I think this is a game that we look back on as a definer for Virginia Tech season. Yeah, it's definitely the swing game. Um, you mentioned it, either Tech 5-2 and two with three straight wins, including a big one over UNC, heading into a bye week, and then going to Notre Dame. You know, they basically have nothing to lose going to Notre Dame at this point. Nobody's going to expect them to win that game still. But you're going to be feeling at least somewhat confident. But on the other hand, if Virginia Tech loses, um, now you're going into a miserable bye week, followed by probably a loss and all of a sudden you're looking at four and four and certainly um i think the mood will be much much less positive in that situation so so a big game all around in terms of in terms of the coastal division and the way the rest of the season goes uh, um i said i wrote this in my preview but if you look 
look around. I mean, Virginia Tech won't play another conference game for three, essentially three weeks. So after this game, they basically get the bye week to watch watch coastal teams beat up on each other, and then they go play another game. Which even if they lose, not a conference loss, and there's more uh, conference games going on. So we'll if they win this, then we'll know a lot more um, about where they stand in the coastal race by the time they take the field against Wake Forest. I could be talking with you about Virginia Tech football all night, but we're going to cap it off there. Hopefully by the next time uh, we do a podcast, record a podcast, I won't have a shaved head, um, but I'm kind of looking forward to it uh, if Oscar Bradburn throws a fake punt. Um, But Doug, thank you as always. Yep, absolutely. I hope you uh, have faith down to Blackbird. Um, just want to let you know that after every touchdown at Virginia Tech, they they fuck skipper the cannon. So you got you got you don't want to get too scared during that. Yeah, I'll be I'll, I'll be well aware of that one. <laughs> For all of you that keep listening to these podcasts, thank you so much. It really is helpful for us to grow. Of course, we understand there's a little bit of audio uh, technical issues that we're sorting out. Uh, hopefully, we can get Doug and Evan a mic and uh, begin to bring on some pretty interesting guests. Uh, we have a couple former players and key Virginia Tech people in mind. So stay tuned, and we'll talk to all of you next week after the UNC game. Yeah.